Hi, I'm Laura. Hey, I'm Stefan, and you're listening to Attributed, a podcast library by Dream Data. The purpose of it is to store and share all the knowledge that we have gathered across Dream Data employees through our LinkedIn Lives, podcasts, and webinars. The typical topics you'll find here can be stuff like marketing, sales, B2B ads, operations, social selling, maybe. We decided to do this uh, this topic about how do we decide on which content we write because I think many of the companies just like us, many of our customers, many of our potential customers also develop a lot of content. So we wanted to give you an, uh, an insight into how we uh, produce content. How we prepped for this was that we, I guess, each of us did some notes, its own yeah. uh, notes, and then we'll try to mix them all together once we get started. Yeah, hopefully there's not too much discrepancy, right? Because <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> we're not doing something, right? We just yeah. left our desk sitting next to each other and then moved into another room. I think we uh, we should just yeah, maybe just, uh, just just get started. An overview, maybe, of like how it started with Dream Data, I guess. Maybe just the company journey with writing content, because I guess that changes quite a bit, doesn't it? Yeah, and it changed quite a like a bit since you started. So now, can you recall where we were once you started? Oh my goodness! Yeah, two maybe. And a half years or something? Yeah, it's been about yeah, just just under two and a half years, and um, I think there were maybe. 10, I, uh, it might be a bit of a stretch, but about 10, about 10 blog posts that uh, you had done mostly. I think those were covering the product mostly um, or the category, uh, very attribution focused, if I can, if I can recall. Yeah, I remember specifically the, the website was pretty bare bone and oh, yeah. basically didn't explain 80% yeah. of our product. So it's, uh, I think. Today is also a little bit about, think about which stage you're at. If you're like at an enterprise, how much of it have you covered already? If you're just starting out, what is the main thing you, you need to cover then? I think, uh, yeah, so we start with the case you're just starting out. Yeah. I would try to like look at our website and think about is our, the way I perceive what a website should be is that it should basically be explaining any question that you can ask about. I, ideally, it should be explaining any question you might ask to a, about a product. And if you're just starting out, typically you just have a front page and one or two sub pages and it's rarely enough. And what that means is that whenever sales conversations start, your salespeople have to be able to explain the whole A to C yeah. of your product. That's high demands for salespeople that needs to be good at selling. They need to be good at your niche, your product, and so forth. And I think that's a good place. That's where I guess a content marketer comes in at a good point in time or should come in relatively early in order for you to start addressing those at the content level. So it's not your sales peeps um, doing it. And that's, I think, when you start to develop your, your blog um, that addresses some of those questions, perhaps also further up in the in the in the pipeline right i think one of the things we started out with once you started was to actually let the salespeople dictate uh, a lot of the stuff we were writing so it was coming straight out of customer calls hey i got this question i was not able to answer it uh, what is the the answer here and i think if you get the question one time in a sales conversation there's most likely 10 or 100x the same amount of people who are thinking about the same. And then we kind of one by one drilled into all these these questions that one might ask in a sales conversation with us. I dare say that we're, there's still a 
big element of that at Dream Data. And also just to, to, to add another angle, I think one customer saying it is already a guaranteed, not only a guaranteed reader, but also you know, someone that's already in your radar, you know, you don't have to convince them. So actually you can address their exact problem with your content already. You know, there's also a chance that you can help push them over the line. Yeah, I think sales, if, as far as what influences what we write, I think sales is probably, I've put it here as my one and two, um, both in, in the pains, because <laughs> yeah. they're, they're talking to customers, right? They're exposed to the pain points quite early on and also from, from requests on the more product side of things. And I think the yeah. one that I'm, I'm working on just now, which I hope to have finished fully, but I need to send <laughs> over for review, yeah. um, is, is what data can you send from Dream Data to your CRM? And that came straight from a customer's mouth, right? And it's actually, well, we're not addressing this anywhere let's produce content because there's bound to be a lot more people just like you asking it. One thing that I'm thinking uh, a lot about and we are just debating sometimes, both of us like the SEO, uh, search engine optimization discipline, but you have to consider uh, the context or like the nature of SEO, which is one, it takes a long time both to come up with the content, to write it, to somebody to come into your website, convert, etc. So it's, it's a very slow discipline and you might not even be guaranteed that the things that people arrive with the intent to do on your website actually converts to business afterwards. So the angle I want to say here is that when you start out with answering the questions for the salespeople, then you're guaranteed that there's some value in the product that the salespeople get a URL that they can send to the customers. Hopefully over time, then that whatever post it is starts climbing the ranks as well. But yeah, uh, just to add on that, I think the so far for us in our journey, the, the organic element has been pretty far down in the priority, almost for these exact reasons. But I do like to think that we're starting to see traction even without putting the effort in. And that's why now maybe we're going to um, develop this front a little bit more, hopefully bring it up in our kind of what influences what content we're, we're producing. So it's been mostly sales. I also want to put in product. Yeah. I think product, uh, the product team has also influenced and the stuff that they're putting out has been a big driver in what content we produce. I think sometimes we need to talk about the product. It can't always sell itself. I think in the customer journey sense, where if things come up that are closely related to people making a decision whether to buy our product or not, that would nine out of 10 times overrule something that would be about starting a, a customer journey. For sure. And I think that's where the recipes we've you know, put this resource onto our site, giving it a relatively prominent position, which caters precisely for these use cases. Also existing customers, um, you know, we're, then we're looking at kind of the renewal aspect and churn prevention and stuff. But certainly for those that are really at the bottom of the funnel and, and suddenly, you know, mostly Stefan's been driving these, you know, what questions are marketers asking that our product fully answers? And how do you do it when you once you're on the product? question in here. So has there been a time where you decided to rewrite uh, some content? Um, yes, there has. Um, I think on my end, there was, there was a lot of good content initially. We've, some of them were performing especially uh, you know, well. I think Time to Revenue comes to mind, which was a really good post you, you did, Stefan, that has been slightly tweaked. I would like to think that, oh, well, now hopefully we've just had Eric join us uh, on the team, by the way. So he's going to help us go through this process um, now and try and identify those posts which actually are a kind of hidden gems that could be doing a lot better and we've already produced so 
kind of he'll, he'll go hopefully for the through the rewriting process and we'll we'll put a bit more attention on that i think yeah i think there's no kind of holy cows here as well so like mm -hmm. when things become outdated we will go in and update things as we go along we've also been going back and adding videos as we've produced those to them that's a very good point yeah we have throwing in some internal links here and there to, to try and uh, beef up the rankings and different kinds of posts so so the answer is yes but maybe not as much as we could have probably or would have liked to <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah teach us how if, if there's stuff we, we we should be doing better what else is on yeah. your uh, your list yeah um i think there's also and we can't escape it how do we decide what content to write we're an attribution company i think going back and looking <laughs> back at our content what's performed well and what hasn't is it has to be a factor we do a review, I think both of us almost yeah. independently, but when we, you, we use our content analytics on Dream Data to go back and, and, and have a look at what's really worked. And that is across the different stages, right, mm -hmm. in the pipeline, which yeah. is really important. So what's working, you know, to drive MQLs and then what has continued to work further down the pipeline. So I think, yeah, it would be remiss of us to, to ignore how important analytics is in influencing then what we go on and, and write. That's a very good point, Jeremy. What you're saying is basically, we have some content, it ranks somehow, it pulls in traffic. But what you can do with Dream Data, if you, you can check whether the emails that landed initially on a piece of content, whether that actually progress to the sales pipeline or ideally all the way to, to being a one uh, new account. And what we mainly look for is the content that produces these journeys that, that go quite far down the pipeline. So an analysis, we uh, try to make it big, uh, if it's too small, then uh, reach out to me afterwards and I'll share it. What we have here, I can see it is, it is quite small, but you can basically see we find up what produces MQLs next to what produces SQLs next to what produces new business. And if you did the analysis from the left towards the, or only looked on the left side with what produces MQLs, you'd end up producing a lot of content that doesn't really have necessarily an intention to move on towards the latest stages which you want to be, be selling from. So on the left side here, you see underneath there's the, the bounty program, uh, which is a good, uh, it's people who search the internet to find rewards, bounties uh, for mistakes on websites, etc. And people that convert here have absolutely zero intention of buying our product. What we have on the right side here is uh, what URLs was included when people bought our product. So for example, here's uh, 10 use cases for the data platform. It's a technical piece, but it demonstrates how to use the, the Dream Data product. I think we also did, so we did this one once we launched the data platform, but mm -hmm. we did a similar one once we launched the content analytics feature. And yeah. now we're doing it again with the CRM piece that you talked about, yeah. 10 things you can put from Dream Data into your CRM system. So these very, uh, very technical pieces uh, is an inspiration for us that like, those that are seriously interested, they actually, they want like deep, deep yeah, stuff. Deep analysis and deep insights into how you can use the product um, to answer your questions, right? Or your, or your pains more than anything. Yeah, apart from that, I think really there's there's one more that we do use sometimes. And yeah. like I had to mention the attribution and the and the analytics, but there's a bit of gut feeling as yeah. well. Yeah. I think we're still early enough as well. Sometimes maybe a bit of inspiration on LinkedIn or browsing or whatever it is that suddenly, you know, one of us comes up with an idea and says, maybe we should do something like that. I think there is an element of that when we... It's like a process of come up with an idea and try to do one piece, mm -hmm. see how it performs, 
if the response is uh, good, then what is response here? Again, I was thinking about there's there's always two things. There's the, the leading indicators, which is kind of people liking or engaging with the content. And then the lacking one is, oh, pipeline or revenue comes out of interacting with it later on. Yeah, and, and we do, we, we use both. I think, right? I mean, more the, the the second when we can, but yeah, I think sometimes when we get an idea and maybe we've done something similar or we do go back to the to those indicators, yeah. I guess. I guess there's also then different types of content. So if like you watching a dream that are then you'd see on our blog, it's rather like serious, well thought through. Mm -hmm. But if you follow us on LinkedIn, you'll see all kinds of uh, silly stuff and uh, memes and just yeah, having and, a good fun. And I think that, that that speaks to the whole content format and choosing that. I think we're, we've been super experimental, I think on LinkedIn in particular, with memes that have proved extremely successful or as far as we can go with some <laughs> of those leading indicators. Uh, but, but also closer to home, now we're, we're running a, a video experiment, so we're pumping out a lot of YouTube videos. If you're not subscribing to, to our YouTube <laughs> channel, now's your chance because there's some really good uh, content coming out on there. And, you know, we've, I think we've, we've tried almost everything. We test it. We do look back at the data and see, okay, how successful has this been? What does success mean? I mean, there are some questions and depending again where you are in your business lifecycle, then what, what that represents. But yeah, I think videos is, is a big thing we're doing now. I'm, I'm also thinking of, of pushing a bit more infographics, mm. uh, which we have underutilized so far. Maybe that um, tickles some some customers' fancy. So yeah, a lot of iterations, sorry, iterations, experiments. I think that's the, there has to be a big part of that. Yeah, I was thinking like probably what takes place on the website is more like, it's a bit more serious because it's trying to help you make a, a buying decision. Yeah. Whereas on LinkedIn, that's more our, what's it called? Uh, our experimentation lab where kind of anything goes and you get really quick feedback. Then, you know, one day Sam comes up with a meme and 10,000 people likes it. And then, okay, that definitely worked. Well, and then you can take that piece of content and put into ads afterwards or write a blog post about exactly. why yeah. memes uh, work as well. Yeah. I think there's a, there's a pretty good loop feedback loop in, in both directions. So sometimes when there's good, LinkedIn posts that actually, well, maybe we could make a, a blog post out of this or a video, or it could feed into ads. But then also in the other direction, actually, maybe a, a, there's a decent blog post that um, some of the, some of you guys especially are using on LinkedIn that or inspires you to do a good post on LinkedIn. Yeah, actually, if we, if we zoom out a little bit, I started thinking about as well, like, what is the prerequisites you need before you start deciding on what content you want to produce. So uh, one thing that we've talked a lot about is kind of who is our ideal customers? Yeah. Who are we trying to, yeah. to speak to? So it's always like, as we produce stuff, the question is constantly as well, is this valuable for, for us? It's a lot about B2B software companies yeah. or, and particular people in involved in marketing. What was the, we had a vision that we talked about for the content that we put out, yeah. which is to help help our followers get smarter or better exactly or yeah like it's, it's to it's to be a, a value add and that was a bit of an inspiration from um what was his name patrick uh, Cantwell. Patrick, yeah because yeah, he was he was on the linkedin live and he you know was really making a point about there needs to be a, a 
value to the content. You know, you, there needs to be a takeaway, a learning. You give that up gratuitously, I think, and and then I guess some people it might influence. But if you if you focus, this is maybe kicking ourselves a little bit or shooting ourselves on the foot. If you focus too much on the revenue angle all mm. the time, that you know, getting customers over the line and getting people over the line, yeah. then you might your content might not always be valuable. So you need to maybe a bit of 80-20 and say, okay, actually, I'm going to give out really good insights that is good, you know, freely out of the goodness and kindness of my heart. And mm. yeah, I think there's good question, really, yeah. Megan, which I think I'm undecided upon as well. Yeah. That why, why do you produce content? And one is that like there's one thing is helping the sales process, but how do you help the sales process? And I, I see content very much also as a as a top of mind game. So you have followers that doesn't have the problem that yeah. you're solving for right now, but we want to constantly be on the top top list of friends that they like to consume content from. Because once they get into that buying mode, then hopefully we'll slide in as number one on the list of of product that they they need to to be checking out uh, today uh, on the internet brands are just like constantly battling each other for attention and also like particularly these days where budgets are more tight then there's probably three four five different projects that companies can be deciding upon mm -hmm. at any given time and they might have they might not be connected at all but an organization can just consume one or two projects at a time. So you want to yeah. fight for you being that one or two projects that get pulled out there. Because it's also, a, it's not only competing for, for customers, and but it's also competing for the kind of mind share for yeah, people's that, uh, I mean. uh, attention. And there's a lot of content and it does get hard and it's easy to get drowned out by all the, all the noise. And it's not always guaranteed that your content's always going to work. So as you know, failure is part. It's part of the process. We continue to learn that as well. Yeah, that's a good point. Brand awareness is, I think, part and parcel. Or the other side of the content can add value, but they're getting value from your brand. So you're kind of driving that. Another thing I was thinking about, which is like not how you decide what to write, but I think if you're in doing content today, uh, then uh, or like want to do it, then you need to think about how you get the company along with this commitment mm -hmm. uh, to doing it, because it can be there's time between when you start and once money come out, and uh, you need a certain bit of patience before like when you start doing content, it's it's more a marathon than it, than it's a, a sprint. Of yeah, course, you need to do every single sprint as good as you can, yeah. but it's more like you need to show up every week with new quality. Yeah, 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 yeah. I agree, and and that's also the benefit. Just uh, to insert here, the yeah, the benefit of having an attribution platform <laughs> because at some point you might be able to prove that uh, value. Oh, good question here. So, has there been a content piece you created that surprised you in terms of uh, performance? Uh, I know. Like, yeah, uh, I know one the one. I'm yeah, yeah. I think. I think uh, there is um... uh, the benchmarks. Yeah, yeah. Let me share this one. So yeah, in the spring of uh, of last year, we uh, just for fun discussed whether we would be able to say something more general about B two B journeys from uh, our own data. Right? Yeah, from, exactly. Yeah. And then we got Miguel, our data scientist, to to standardize some data that you know, we could like play around with anonymously. And we put it into these, we called them B2B go-to-market benchmarks, where we, what did we analyze? We analyzed different first touch channels. Yeah, the length, the average length um, for different segments. Different countries, different yep. industries as well. And 
but say it's still weekly that people mention these uh, yep. these benchmarks <laughs> across uh, LinkedIn. It's been pitched to journalists by vendors who liked it. Yeah, it's the most cited, the most visited. Um, I think it's it's performing best on on all our metrics. So yeah. that that's definitely been. I think it's also like once we have more capacity, we'll start sharing more and more of these benchmarks. Definitely, yeah. I think the, there is a bottleneck inevitably in, in getting the data the data out and, and the data team to 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 provide us with it. But there's a yeah, people are interested. They want to be able to compare themselves with standards. Yeah, I guess. let me pull up uh, just to get some. I'll do some honorable mentions here for for a lot of our our memes as well. The memes have really been. It's kind of a little bit silly, but it's also can be extremely effective on on a place like LinkedIn where the virality is so high. So yeah. particularly Sam in our uh, company has really been rolling these things out. And I think these you're not lying if you say this meme with the cheerleader has been seen by by millions, millions. Of, of people and it's yeah. been used yeah. in newsletters and stuff like that. And it definitely caught us by surprise by how powerful can this be? Yeah, and it's uh, this one's a good example of repurposing content. We got a we made this very short blog post about it, and that's also got some some traffic and is ranking on some keywords as well. Yeah. <laughs> Surprisingly, maybe a one question for you guys out there: What do you feel? How do you feel about watermarking memes? It's something that we we've been talking about, but again, it goes completely against the nature of memes. But mm. like, if this had watermarked, maybe it wouldn't have done viral as, as well. As yeah, well perhaps, uh, yeah, as a consideration. One thing that has uh, like positively surprised us as well, I would say, is these uh, the LinkedIn lives. The Laura started it out as an uh, experiment, just to like play around for fun and see how the, it turned out. And we've managed now to get it into a flow where we do one weekly, one or like at least two, one, yeah. at least one per week now. And uh, typically, like somewhere between fifty and two hundred people sign, click, attend to these things. Yeah. And uh, it's also super useful for repurposing i'm talking here with the with the writer hat because yeah. i mean some of the guests are providing such value you know going back to this free value add that you want your your resources to <laughs> to provide i mean you can't honestly i mean we we've been we've learned a lot from the guests and i think <laughs> that was a, pre, a pretty good get, uh, takeaway and i think repurposing that into blog posts is yeah also. if we just followed that path a little bit that's really good like how do we decide our concept yeah, let's make the easiest one, <laughs> that, yeah. which is actually I think is an important component as well. We head into especially the smaller you are. Again, I think um, yeah. You see our blog right now. You'll see here that like the last couple of three ones, posts yeah. Yeah. are like built upon lives we've done. For example, with yeah. Drew or uh, Vladimir, yeah. yeah, and yeah. this one, and we then also got Kitty, our videographer, to like produce small video snippets uh, of these that we send on to. To the speakers who've been on the events as well, so we've really been surprised by how much juice you can squeeze out yeah, of these. You and really, yeah, <laughs> I mean, high quality yeah, juice, yeah, yeah. Uh, even especially when there's exactly there have been some very good quality speakers. I yeah. mean, it's not it's not saying this, guys. If you haven't followed. Um, <laughs> Dream Data's LinkedIn Lives with Stefan and Lara. Please do follow it. Go on, on go on YouTube. There's some <laughs> genuinely useful stuff that we're applying weekly now. Yeah, so. and well, the next thing we're doing now is that we're starting to do like a best off through our our podcast as well. So yes, the podcast. A live <laughs> idea goes yeah, into a blog post, which goes into video snippets, which goes into a to a podcast as well. So that is really 
a quite effective uh, content uh, repurposing. Good. Yeah. Uh, what else? Oh yeah, I think one thing I wrote down here is as well is to think through kind of uh, when you're selling a B2B product, you're not just selling to one persona. So once you feel like you have exhausted one persona, try to list typically in when we're selling stuff, who's involved in the journey. So yeah. we, I think in average, we have five people on a one account with Dream Data. So mm -hmm. there's like several people to cater for, like there's the marketers, but there's also the data and security people that needs to know that they can trust us. There might be some ops people There might be CFO that we have to convince with our rational. You can kind of list what are the three, four, five, six personas in your buying committees and then maybe green light them yellow yeah. or red. And if there's stuff that you have completely not catered to, then probably that's a good place to start right yeah. uh, some more content. Yeah. For sure. And, and what content do they prefer to consume? You know, I mean, there's, there's a lot of questions that go into that. Yeah, that's a, that's a really, really good point. I think sometimes we get stuck into, yeah, we've got a, an ICP, we've got a target audience and that's it. Well, actually in B2B, chances are you're speaking to more than one persona. Let's take Kyle's here. Uh, that's a good question, Kyle. How have you gotten your employees to devote time to, to blog writing? So we, yeah, it's mainly Jeremy who, who writes for us. No. <laughs> I sometimes scramble some notes together, then you're then perfect. But in the, in general, the content output that our employees have is on uh, LinkedIn. And I think the way uh, we got that whole thing rolling, we did a, we did a blog post that we can link in the comments as well, but we started out just with a little competition, to, a team competition to see if we, uh, we could reach, was it 300,000 views as a team in a quarter, yeah. something like that. <laughs> and we, how many were we back then? Four, uh, five, six people who yeah, participated. I, I can't recall you know. Yeah. We, we, yeah, look for the but, uh, yeah, We end, yeah. basically ended up like committing to trying to get 300,000 views in a quarter. And we, we ended somewhere around 500,000. Yes. And kind of that Kyle kind of led us to being like quite convinced, okay, if we, not just write one or two times per week, but if you write five times per week, we can have a significant impact on the demand uh, for Dream Data through this. So some good old competition. And then, you know, it also takes some, you need to enforce it that it's valuable. So you need to also get people in your company to buy into the story. I think here we're good collectively having it. We, everybody posts in a Slack channel and we go like and comment each other. And we can then also see was being more and more mentioned on LinkedIn as a company to follow. Yeah. Yeah. I think there's so many, like the, the, the ripple effects of that effort has, I mean, we continue to feel that mm. across everything, like speak of brand awareness. <laughs> I think you guys doing a good job, but, but yeah. And question is we, we have in-house, um, again, we've just got also Eric on, on board in the team, but mostly it's been me, um, for blogs, but the entire team has now, I would, I can say mm. pretty much the entire yeah. team has bought into posting very frequently on LinkedIn. It goes down to you incentivizing or like walk the walk. So if you want others to start, then start yourself. Mm. <laughs> that's, a, that's a good way to start. There's another one here asking, what are the ways to decide the tone of a particular content? Depends. I think generally there's, there's a number of things that I would say go into that company culture being one of them and your persona being another, you know, if you if you're in finance you probably want to have a more formal and serious mm. or, or legal you know you want to have a more serious formal tone than if you're in a kind of marketing uh, world i would say but generally i think for us we've actually been quite lenient there's no i mean 
relatively informal depending on where you're so i think as well uh, your channel where you're writing your content matters stefan suggested it before right if it's website copy that tends to be the most direct and kind of least fluff <laughs> and then you get the, the the blog which is a little less formal and there's a bit more play in it and then finally linkedin where you just kind of put down your thoughts i think yeah. we've somewhat settled on a rather informal but yeah. kind of i would say casual but informative yeah, yeah. it's not a um, yeah I, there were some earlier posts where there was a lot more storytelling in it you know there was a more, more tangent more analogy but they, that didn't necessarily pull more weight i mean it might just have been the topic so i think yeah just getting sometimes straight to the point and i need to tell myself this all the time is <laughs> <laughs> yeah. it's really important but i think yeah the tone definitely uh, like particularly in linkedin pieces like if you've prepared a post and you can feel like this tone is so dull and nobody's mm. like they're gonna have an emotional reaction to it or they can't feel that you care through this piece. yeah i think yeah yeah i think um yeah linkedin needs to be even more casual almost yeah yeah well, i could see also that when i write excited posts they also do really well because i think People like to like they mm -hmm. can kind of feel the energy. They want to yeah the, share uh, share the success. <laughs> yeah, the one thing I had like uh, like I have like a love hate relationship to this SEO thing. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> because I really like the discipline, but I think particularly if like you're a highly funded company that needs to grow extremely fast, uh, short term, I would be mindful on betting a lot on is content as an SEO discipline because it can be a very long pull, but you know i think there is a there is a kind of a middle of the way space that you can occupy and this is what we're going to try and experiment a little mm. bit with now where you get there is the objective of ranking but it's also influenced by the needs that that we that have kind of been fed through um i think so play the seo basically it's play the seo game for stuff that there's already a demand for in your customer base or, or prospect base and then i think whatever you do then any interaction anybody have with your company is like building your brand in a positive or negative way yeah so if you i would never ever commit to doing anything low quality <laughs> because if there's something that the internet has it's yeah. a lot of fluff of low yeah. quality so yeah. i do give a give a big effort and produce quality output otherwise people are following they will drop off quite uh, quickly and i think that's why a lot of the stuff we've done i mean it, it gets harder as, as you want to kind of cover more bases but it, it's what i call point of view articles like you will get at least you can't go wrong by describing your experience with something and it might not resonate with everyone but i think that it at least you can eliminate the bland genericness of it which sometimes there has to be a bit of, but you know, once you add your point of view, um, kind of how you've experienced it as a company or as an individual, then almost by definition, it can't be so stagnant. Yeah. So if we kind of let's try maybe to summarize kind of what is uh, okay. what's what's deciding uh, content for us. Yeah, I would say we get a lot from sales and what customers prospects are are saying. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. We get resources. What can we actually produce? Yeah. I think, and what will give us a good return? Mm. I think there's a you yeah. mentioned maybe not ROI, but certainly you know kind of yeah. yeah I see yeah, it's kind of two components. There is kind of how do we support sales and product, and then the other thing is how can we help our followers, prospects, customers uh, get smarter? Yeah, which is then kind of 
we cannot release anything where you think they didn't get one percent smarter, smarter by spending yep. five yep. minutes. Uh, exactly. There uh, needs to be this. a there needs to be a value add. I think there needs to be a takeaway. I, I, I... One last question: How much do you cross check the content with other departments, sales, engineering, etc.? That's a, yeah, that's actually a good one. So we we cross check all the time. Me and Jeremy, we're kind of marketing people. We we don't understand the depth of the product or the no. technicalities. No. So we constantly ask to say, like when you do product updates, we rely on product people telling us this is how it works. We've built it in this way because that's valuable for the customer. Or yeah. we show the blog post to the salespeople saying that you feel like this answers the uh, the question that the, the yeah. customer would be asking. So I think cross-checking the content is one, it's really smart because the content gets better. But secondly, you also then kind of you get buy-in from the organization that what mm -hmm. we're putting out here is is good and uh, and meaningful. Yeah. Sometimes, of course, you know there is you know we need to bear in mind that sometimes there is inevitable you know delay or lag in getting the content out as well. But I think it's worth it to make sure you you're really accurate, especially with the product stuff. Yeah. I think we we mostly take it. These guys also write you know good updates, so it's just a question of of taking most of what they're saying and then just adding a little bit of uh, sparkle to it to make it a bit more uh, exciting. But like we're we're really fortunate in, yeah. in the way our teams kind of work together. Yeah, make sure there's value. Yeah. Um, I think I guess if we. <laughs> unpack everything that that should dictate what we do with this and if you if there's anything jeremy or i can help you with just reach out to us on on linkedin and we'll be happy to to answer okay love the contest and cross-checking ideas in my experience having sales and customer growth teams to post questions from calls in the slack channel then having our service consultant write detail and how to blend. it's exactly like we do it kyle uh, yeah. like our sales team also uses uh, nowadays they use gong so it's most sales calls are now recorded and they can share the snippets that 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 people are asking so we can and they're also quite good i mean we're, we're, we don't even have to listen to all of them when they really identify something that is now that you know has been put up a couple of times they will just come and say hey guys we don't have this mm. <laughs> we we need this yeah maybe one last for for insights on what to write then make sure that somebody from your marketing team sits in on the sales meetings once in a while to yeah. hear kind of what is the the questions that that comes up because that can be a massive sort of uh, inspiration as well for what you should produce we hope you like listening to us subscribe to our podcast and the ones that we have been guests on. And if you have any feedback for us, uh, just do let us know. And should there be a guest that you think we should be talking to, then like pitch us. We're looking forward to seeing you.